You know, we've, we've, been talking, we've been thinking a lot about freedoms and whenever we've just gone through an election and, and I guess our, a lot of us, those, those of us who are kind of tuned into that, you know, you were either sadly disappointed or you were, uh, uh, you were rejoicing, I don't know, um, I don't want to hear about it today. <laughs> so it was a, when the political stuff comes on and we, we see the, the things that are happening in the world with Egypt and and the Middle East, uh, if we're not careful, we'll forget the great place that we have to live. When we think about freedom, we think about our country. We, uh, the last, co- last couple of sermons and, and weeks, Wednesday and then last Sunday, uh, it was about Thanksgiving. One of the things that we can give thanks for is, are, are all the freedoms that we have. As we approach Christmas, and today represents the first Sunday in Advent. Advent simply means the coming. Something I picked up a long time ago from other churches, and, and, uh, and it was to celebrate these, these few weeks uh, before Christmas in an Advent kind of way with, with, with the lighting of a candle, with some special scriptures and, and some songs, and, then was, and we build right up into Christmas. Uh, many times in churches like ours, we simply, uh, you know, it's a run like crazy, like, like everything is normal, right up until the, day, the, the, the week before Christmas. Then we talk about Luke 2, and then we're off again after that's over. I'd like to kind of sit on this, and, because the Scripture has a whole lot to say about the coming of Jesus, and it's not just about a plastic baby in a manger with a light in it. Okay? It's not just about that. Even as a child, I knew. Even as a child, I knew. Heathen that, heathen that I was, I knew about Jesus, and I knew that he had come to save us from our sins, okay? You know, I mean, those were, for me at that time, those were just words. I understood it at, at a certain level, but I didn't understand it at a heart level. I was, I was talking to, to some folks just a moment ago, and we were talking about when we got saved, when we got it, when we understood it, and when that happened, and... And, and the words simply took on a new life. The words that Jesus died for me took on new life. And I got it on a, at a deeper level. So I would turn my life to him. I, my hunch is, is that there are some in, in some of us here today, you still haven't gotten it. You understand the words. And you may have kind of grown up in this kind of uh, culture in this church culture, but you still haven't gotten it. Still haven't gotten that that Christ died for you, and that you really need to give it up for Him. And so I'm hoping today, as we start this this series on Jesus came, okay, and that's what the series is named, Jesus came. But there's there are reasons He came. And today, uh, what, what I want to deal with is Jesus came to set you free. That's the, that's the point and the purpose. Jesus came to set you free. Now, I recognize that, that, uh, you know, that some, would, people, some people would say, save from what? Set free from what? Okay? And when we, because when we think of freedom, we think in, in the tangible terms of the day. We think in terms of the uh, uh, we think in terms of the past slavery uh, that that existed in the United States. We think in terms of perhaps even the slavery that is going on in different countries uh, today. We're thinking about chains. We're thinking about people controlling people when we think about slavery. 
But I want you to know that there, there's a different kind of slavery, and we're going we're gonna to deal with that. And this time of the year, we turn our attention to the historical coming of Jesus. Luke 2 gives us the immediate story of the, the events that were unfolding on the night that Jesus was born. Too often that snapshot becomes the whole story. Okay? And we miss the bigger picture. Jesus came according to Scripture when the time was right. Now, that in and of itself just blows my mind. What does he mean when the time was right? There was, if, if you go back and look, look at, at the, you might say, the themes where God delivered his people. There was always kind of like this time when things were really bad. Why don't you come now, God? Yeah? The, 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 the Israelites were in Egypt for, for, was it 400 years? Okay? Somebody get me some of the, our facts checker keep me right here. Okay? Some, you know, 400 years. And, and much of that time was spent in slavery, uh, physical slavery, where they built and did and worked as slaves for the Egyptian people. Okay? If you think about 400 years, our country isn't that old. So if we were in Egypt at that point in time, my parents were slaves. My grandparents were slaves. My great-great-grandparents were slaves. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. That's the mentality. So when God made a... Del- so so you, you, many of us would say, well, why didn't God... What, what do you mean the timing is right? It's, God's, it's in God's hands. In the same way... I, I, in the same way that when we call, him, call upon Him for deliverance, when we call upon Him to answer our prayers, the timing is always in His hands. Everybody, anybody ever get a little charred at God's timing? Yeah? Because we don't know. We don't know. But God has time, and the scripture says he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God's timing is a part of that. That takes faith. In fact, one of the things I said to you last week and Wednesday night, and I, and I, I won't revisit this and stay on it, I'll, I'll get, is that, that it takes faith. And this is not, as I said last Sunday, this is not for children to endure and to, and to stand in long-suffering and faith in the midst of difficulty and know that God still is. For many of us, God only is as long as the sun is shining on us. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You get the picture. Jesus came, according to Scripture, when the time was right. Now, you know, we could, we could venture to say that the time was, okay, the whole world was under one ruler. There was a common language. There were many languages, but there was at least one common language that people spoke. And because the world was under one ruler, people could kind of move and go where they wanted to go. Go to Rome. People could travel to Israel, 
the Jews, when they wanted to, I mean, they, they take that one thing, that one time uh, to, to, you might say, travel back and to worship at the temple. There's opportunity. You see a whole lot of this happening in, 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 in the picture, that you're kind of surrounding uh, in the context of the picture of Luke 2. All of this. And later on in the book of Acts, you, you see a whole lot of this, that God's timing is perfect. The day of Pentecost, his timing was perfect. Galatians, the fourth chapter. I'm not sure I should begin here, but let, let's go. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. One of the things that whenever we speak of the freedom, uh, you might say Jesus came to set, set people free. There are at least two dimensions that we think of, and most of the time we think in, in, in one. It's the physical and, and the spiritual. The physical is what most of us default to when we think of, of God coming and setting, uh, setting us free. When we think in terms of, of those, those things that I spoke of earlier, of chains, of relationships and things that, we can, that are tangible, that we can put our hands on, that we can see, that the reporters can report on. Does that make sense? Knowing, knowing that those physical things are the things that are transient. Those are the things that pass away with time. But there is an element that, that has to be looked at here, and most of us get it because many of, many of you here have accepted Christ and know what salvation is like. The freedom from sin is the spiritual dimension. Now, it's kind of neat to understand that the spiritual dimension is eternal. That the physical dimension, when we think of freedoms and things like that, that all just kind of passes away with time, doesn't it? The scriptures tells us that our, our lives are like a wisp of smoke in comparison to eternity. Yet, because we are physical, because we are carnal, can I say it that way? Because we are carnal, we have a tendency to look about, look about us and see, and everything that's important to us is, is really the stuff that we can touch. So sometimes we, we throw aside spiritual things so that we can gain the physical. Does that make sense? We throw aside and we say, one of these days, I will make the spiritual stuff all come together, but it's kind of like it's ethereal, it's out there, I can't touch it, but I can touch the relationships that I want right now. I can touch the people that I want right now. And oftentimes we will sacrifice the spiritual for the physical, and, and, and the disciples were in on that. Remember? I mean, if you know the stories, and if, you've, if you sat under, if you sit here long enough, you hear them all. Jesus and his disciples, right before he went into Jerusalem, for that kind of like that last time before the crucifixion, they were lining up and saying, okay, uh, Jesus, I want to sit on your right and on your left. I mean, that mama was doing that. We want to be on your, like your, your we want to be on your, your cabinet. We want to be your cabinet officials when you come into your kingdom, okay? In their mind, it was physical. Uh, it's not that they, I guess in some respects, is it possible to want the physical things so much that somehow they obscure the spiritual dimension of your life? Or somehow drown it out, it can drown it out. If, if your focus is always on the spiritual, always on the physical things, there's very little room for spiritual. Disciples were like that. When Jesus went to the cross, they were really bummed out. 
when he didn't just kind of go into Jerusalem, throw off the kings and the, and the Romans and stuff and raise up a whole thing with the zealots, they were bummed out. And when he said, look, I'm going to go away, they were bummed out. They didn't want to hear that. And, and when he said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because I, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come or will not come. They were bummed out. They didn't get it. I, I, and I don't think that I would have had I been there, so I'm, I can't be too hard on them. But we have a tendency to, to put our, all of our bananas on the table where the physical is. So when the time was right. Now, let, me, let me share with you a passage. This is really the primary passage this morning. Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Wow, what a passage of Scripture. Now, the, the Jews, the Israelites at that time, they knew, they knew that this was a passage that, uh, that was messianic. Most of us would just read it and say, wow, that's interesting. But until you understand that this applied to the Messiah when he came, they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for one to come and save them because they needed saving. I asked you a couple of, uh, I think it was a week ago, did you ever receive a gift that you didn't think of it as a gift when it came? That was what Jesus brought. They didn't understand, and I'm afraid that sometimes we don't understand the work that Jesus does in us and and the work that he he came to do. Now, I, I like this. Now, we remember, if you look into the, the Gospels, you'll find uh, Jesus, when he, right as he was beginning his ministry, they asked him, he was kind of a visiting, you know, kind of lay rabbi, and he says, come and read. Come and read. It was church time. Come and read. And he, sits, and he picks up, the, picks up the, the, the scriptures, and he reads this passage. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he... Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the uh, prisoners, and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of uh, of our God, and to comfort all those who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them, what? A garland instead of ashes. And so on and so forth. And they were cool with that. Everybody who was sitting there was good with that. Until he said, today, right here and now, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, they, they, they kicked that back at Jesus for other reasons. But, but again, here he was. The, 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 the prophet Isaiah had, had witnessed this, had spoken this. This had been written years and years and years before Jesus, before Jesus actually came. God was letting them know. Isn't it a good thing to know that you will not languish in pain and difficulty all of your life, that there is a God who cares that one day, Perhaps not a day of your reckoning, not a day of your knowing, but he knows and will be there. It's good news. This is good news to the afflicted. Now, 
Now, we could talk about the kinds of slavery that exist today. Today, you say in, in 2012, almost 2013, there's slavery today? Sure there is. You know, there's slavery, there's bonded labor. They, it affects millions of people around the world. People become bonded laborers by, by taking or being, or being tricked into a loan for something as little as the cost of medicine for their child. And for some reason, they never get out from under that. Sometimes there's people who are, uh, uh, how about early enforced marriages in some of the countries? Okay. Affects women and girls who are married without choice and are forced into lives of servitude and often accompanied by physical violence. Forced labor is where uh, this affects people who are illegally recruited by people or governments. Political parties and forced to work, usually under the threat of violence and other penalties. Trafficking involves the transport or the trade of people, women, children, and men from one area to another for the purpose of forcing them into slavery conditions. Child labor. Worst forms of child labor, an estimated of 126 million children around the world uh, work in work that's harmful and difficult in their lives, harmful to their lives, okay? And we think of this, well, that's okay, that's in Thailand. This happens here in the United States. Happens here in the United States. It really does, okay? And as horrible as that is, there is another kind of slavery that can affect you no matter where you are, no matter what socioeconomic group that you're a part of. It doesn't matter if you were born with a silver or a gold spoon in your mouth, that you can count your, your ancestors back all the way to some castle in Northern Europe, but you can be in slavery and in bondage. I want you to know that that was what Jesus came to break. It was the slavery and the bondage to sin. I told you earlier that, that I knew that Jesus came, and he came to save us from our sins. Okay, I knew that as a child, but somehow I didn't get it. The scripture tells us that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. I didn't know that I was in spiritual slavery. I didn't know that I was a slave to sin. The scripture tells us as we celebrate Christmas, now I recognize we, we want to see the, the child in the manger. And that, that you know, the, the, it's like quiet night. It's like dark blue. There's stars. It's glistening. And you know, it's like the, the cattle are blowing. You know? I mean, their angels are singing. And it's so sweet. It's like, man, this makes me want to eat fruitcake. Or something like that, you know? I mean, hot cocoa. Build a fire, honey. Yeah? yeah? I mean, you get that? I mean, that's what has happened. And here, here we, what was really happening was that God was entering into the world. He was going to shake up the world. He was going to turn it upside down. The one who had, had been, been given dominion over the lives of mankind was about to be dethroned by a child that was coming in the form of, of a little one in the manger. See, that's where we are. He came to set us free. He came to set us free. John, the eighth chapter. It says, so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my words, you're truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, will make you free. They answered, we're Abraham's descendants. What are they looking at? The physical again. We're Abraham's descendants, and, and we've never been in, sla- in slavery to anyone. They, that's a lie. They forget Egypt. 
How is it you say you'll become free? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And he says, a slave doesn't remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Now, I want to tell you how this thing worked. And I'm just going to go kind of anecdotally, and I want you to, if you're, if you're, if you're a, 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 a person who studies the scripture, you'll know. In the garden, Adam and Eve, our father, our mom, mom and dad, they, God, when he created Adam, he says, I'm going to give you dominion. You're, you're in charge of, of the world, all the things. In fact, Adam named every animal. I'm, what a brain. I have a hard time keeping everybody else's names. And we're not that big. Okay? I mean, amazing. I don't know what, he, what form he was in. The scripture really doesn't tell us, and we can just kind of speculate biblically, maybe. I don't know. But when, when they disobeyed God, eating of the fruit, whatever the fruit was, had to be a persimmon, too, too sharp, teasing. When they disobeyed God, it didn't matter what the fruit was, they disobeyed God. Someone else stepped in dominion. He submitted, mankind submitted himself into the dominion of the enemy. And so here we go, fast forward years and years of a disgusting, dirty history of mankind, of brutality and murder and plunder and just, just, just horrible uh, things that they do to themselves and to each other. And we're well aware of that without getting too explicit Because we live in a world where all of those things still exist. And here, mankind, humankind, separated from God. And God says, in the right time, he sent his son. (laughs) In the right time. I have, what, what does he say? The spirit of the Lord is upon. And he has anointed me to bring good news. You can follow that passage out. To set free those who are in bondage. See? Again, bondage. The greatest bondage is bondage. Bondage or living under the dominion. Let me tell you something. You might think that you, just because you haven't accepted Jesus, that you're still a free agent. You're still kind of like, uh, as, as was it Alec Baldwin said, uh, these guys are, we're, there's several of us here that are, uh, that are still um, unattached or unaffiliated. Unaffiliated. Well, you're not unaffiliated. You're affiliated. There are powers in this world. You're either affiliated with, with Christ, with God through Christ Jesus, or you're affiliated with the enemy. You may think that you're calling your own shots, but the, the impression, the, the over, overwhelming push and the pressure in your life is from the enemy. It's why we get some of the crazy things that happen in the world. And we kind of figure out, how could people think that? It, it, it brings us to the place that's so crazy. It brings us to the place that Ezekiel spoke of. He says, woe to those who call evil good and evil, and, 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 and good evil. We get to the place 
because of the dominion of the enemy in, in the lives of people that they don't know the difference between good and bad. In fact, to the degree that they would call you evil for serving God, for serving God in Christ Jesus. And I have often said, you know, okay, let's, let's line this out. Tell me what's bad about this. Okay, I don't cheat on my wife. I'm not a drunk. I gave up drugs. I endeavor to tell the truth all the time. Uh, you know, I pay my taxes. I don't cheat on, I don't cheat my friends. I don't cheat anyone. Okay? See? And why do I, why am I that way? It's not because Bill Blair raised himself up, but because Christ who lives in me demands that I walk that way and has directed me in that way. See, it is he who, who delivers. It is he who directs and, and causes to be, in, you might say, in, in the fold and in the, in the context of, of living for God. Of course, the enemy would say, that's evil. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy, isn't it? So we have the dominion issue. Up until the time that Jesus came into the world, Satan pretty much was where he wanted to be, in dominion. Captivity was a place that was in the nether regions or in hell, okay? That was where, if you, if you, you, know, you remember reading about Samuel being called up by, uh, by Saul the king, yeah, through the witch of Endor, okay? It says that he came up. Now, here's where, we, here's where some people say, well, you're getting a little dicey here, Pastor. Paradise... Paradise was the place of the, of the dead saints. And up until the time that Jesus came into this world, it resided in the netherworld under the dominion because he had the, the keys of hell, death, and the grave. The enemy had that. The scripture tells us that when Jesus died, he, had, he descended into hell and arose again, taking captivity captive. And you will find in the book of Revelation that captivity or the place of paradise is near the throne of God. Satan's dominion was broken except in the lives of those who choose not Christ. Now, I don't mean to throw anybody here this much, okay? This is how it works. Give your heart to Christ. He came to set you free from the dominion of the enemy and the slavery and the bondage of sin. See? Say, so what do you, you say, well, pastor, I'm not. You know, I, we could, I could talk about, talk about some of the things. And there's a passage, let me share with you. I don't think I gave this to, to anyone. Slavery and dominion, okay? Jesus came to set you free. Will you be free? Now, you can, can you be religious and still in slavery? Yeah. Okay. Galatians 4 talks about that. Can you be a Christian and still have given the enemy, enemy a foothold in your life? Yes. Yes. Some of us have pet sins. Some of us have areas that we have not relinquished to the lordship of Jesus. You, you got that? You understand me? I mean, am I, I don't th- are you with me there? There are areas in our lives that we have never, de- never delivered into the lordship of Christ. 
I remember, and, and I'll just share, because I only have so many story, stories, and you've heard them, but I'm going to tell, tell it again, so I've got a couple more minutes here. When I gave my heart to Christ, I did not relinquish all the footholds that Satan had in my life. I still like dope. Okay? And, you're, and some of you are saying, well, pastor, I was young. And I played the game, and I said, you know, you know, I, I give my heart to Christ, but you know, it's like, like okay, you know. I use the, the terminology, every herb of the ground, right? It's, it's okay, you know. And, 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 but the Holy Spirit would never let me rest on that. And it was only until I finally got on my knees and gave everything to him. See, as long as I didn't do that, the enemy still had ground. He still had property in my life. He still had an acre of ground that he could call his own. See? And as long as he had acreage in my life, as long as he has acreage in your life, you'll, you will not be what God wants you to be. You remember the passage of Scripture that says all things that we, in a sense, that we uh, put in his... Un- Thank you. He says, yes, I needed some help there. The, there's a passage that says something to the, to the degree uh, that says that, if, that, that God is able to keep that which is committed to him the last day. I guess I'd say to you, what haven't you committed to him? What you have not committed to him still either belongs, belongs to you, you think it belongs to you, still it, it's a foothold of the enemy. Now, where are we going with this passage, with this scripture this morning? Jesus came to set you free. I'm, I'm cool with, I'm really good with, let's, you know, let's get rid of slavery in the world. Little girls are in slavery all over our country being used as sex slaves. We need to break that if we can. Children, people, are, you know, slavery in its, in its, its most uh, disgusting form still exists today in places of the world. But I want you to know the physical follows the spiritual. As our country recedes into darker times spiritually, the other things multiply and grow. The physical things multiply and grow. Now what can I do? Jesus came to set you free from bondage of sin. What are you, ens- what are you enslaved to? What's still in your life that needs to go? What? And I'm not here to just, you know, to out people. I'm here to out you for Jesus so that you'll be free The scripture tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He'll set you free. He'll set you free. He has come not only to save, but to set you free. To set you free from the bondage of lies, from the bondage of sin, the sexual bondages, from the lies, the the hidden secrets. From the, from the things that you, that you and I uh, harbor in our, in our hearts that God's against. How do you do that? It's real simple. What is the scripture? The scripture tells us, the Bible tells us that he has taken the things of the world that seemed weak and he's, he's used those to bring down the things that the world thinks are strong. We saw that on the day of his crucifixion. 
Satan, Satan, I, I don't know, I wasn't privy to that, but, but, but my hunches, they were rejoicing. We've got him. Now he's dead. He's going to descend into my region of dominion, and I will have him. Things changed that day. Things changed that day. Jesus showed up, took the keys of hell, death, and the grave, and took captivity captive. And he's here today, and he will take... If you are captive by sin, if you are a slave to some, some foothold of the enemy in your life, he will take you out and set you free. Okay? The same way, those things... And you say, well, how do you do that? You know, is it going to be a political thing? No. Are we going to sign up at the back? No. No? Are we going to break out the AR-15s? No! The weak things of the world, at least in the estimation of the world, so that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So something's got to die. Jesus died for you and for me, and his blood is enough. His blood is enough. His blood is enough to cover you and to cleanse you from all sin. But there's one thing that's holding it up. Just a decision on your part. Real simple. A decision on your part. God, I'm going to, you know, I've given you my, you might say, I've given you my heart, God, but these things in my life, I'm still playing with them. God, bring them, lay them on the altar. Say, God, I confess these. These are wrong. Now, God, give me strength and grace. Set me free. Set me free from the things that, 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 that haunt me in the night. My memories, my real, the realizations of my sin, the things that I harbor, the things that I do, set me free. You'll do it. Okay. Okay. Folks, I understand this because I've lived it. Okay. I understand this. I've lived it. There's nothing new under the sun. But God gives us not only, not only a, a, a way out, but a portal to safety and salvation. That's why I said, I am the door. I am the door. And I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the light. I, ha- I am the resurrection and the life. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your deliverer. I am Messiah God. That is who loves you. And calls upon you today. Hallelujah. Stand with me. (laughs) There are lots of forms of bondage. Lots of forms of slavery. Sin enslaves. The scripture tells us there's pleasure in it for a little while, but the end is death. (laughs) I'm not laughing because of, of, of what it does, but I'm laughing because of what God can do to sin in your life. And in sin in my life, kind of just obliterates it. I want you to know you may not be strong enough, but He is. 
You may have found yourself entangled, and that's what sin does. It entangles, it enwraps, it, it, it wraps its chains around you, gets into your mind, your spirit. But I want you to know it can be broken by a simple act of faith. A simple act of faith in reaching out to Jesus and confessing all to Him. The chains will be broken. The chains will be broken because He is the one who saves and breaks the chains. A simple act of faith that even a child can do. Reaching out to Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, I give my sin to You. I ask You to deliver me, to be my Savior and my Lord. If you're a believer, Jesus, I've been holding out on you. I know I have. I've been holding out because I didn't think I could kind of do it myself. Well, you can't do it yourself. You can't stand against the enemy all by yourself. You and I are nothing in that realm. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus. Could I... Could I could I just interest you in a prayer around this altar? You know, by coming here this morning, nobody's standing in the back and say, well, that guy's a sinner, that guy's a sinner. That guy. okay. Can that stuff, can that, those fears, deliverance and freedom is waiting. <laughs> Will you give it to him? Will you give your life to him? Will you worship Him? Let God deliver you. Let Jesus set you free. Could I have folks, could I have just anyone, uh, my, my board members, anybody just come and fill these altars so other people who might want to come and pray won't feel just, you know, vulnerable and... Uh, and uh, Frightened because people, other people are thinking about them. No one's thinking about you. I want you to know I needed freedom. And there's not a soul in here that doesn't need freedom, that doesn't fight against the things I've talked about. Yeah, it's true. Am I telling the truth? We fight against sin. We wrestle against things inside of us. But I want you to know the answer is always Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He was, he's Messiah. He was the deliverer. He is the one who went to the cross for you and for me. When He did that day, the big heavy thick veil that separated God and humanity was ripped down in two. It's just the doors open. The door's open for you and for me. We can have whatever we want in Him. Freedom, joy, deliverance.